So Valentine's Day may be over, but the need to say I love you is never over. You can say I love you over and over again with a meat subscription from Good Ranchers. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. That doesn't say I love you. What does say I love you is 100% American hand-trimmed steakhouse quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door. Right now, use code Dana to get $30 off when you order any box from Good Ranchers. Ditch the usual gifts and say I love you with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your $30 off with Mycodana at GoodRanchers.com today. With the 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Forget flower deliveries. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat. Deliver today by GoodRanchers.com and save $30 with code Dana. Say you're the best with the best meat in America from GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers American Meat delivered. Kiev stands, and Ukraine stands, democracy stands, the Americans stands with you, and the world stands with you. Hmm, interesting words from a surprise trip marking the year-long, I guess, further conflict with Ukraine from Russia. That's the president. He's over, he's traveling over in Uh, Eastern Europe today. Welcome to the program. Dana Lash here with you to start our week off and uh, start it off right. Now, you can also find me online. We'll get to all of that stuff, but uh, your lovable curmudgeon here. Happy to be with you. The president headed to Poland to mark the first year anniversary of the Russian war on Ukraine. I got to tell you, The first video that I saw of this was a little weird because he was walking out of this, um, like tunnel, etc. I don't, I don't, walking out with Zelensky and they had air raid sirens going on. I don't know if you've seen this video, but they had air raid sirens as he's walking out with Zelensky and I just don't know what the standard operating procedure there is. For the president of the United States to walk out like in this in a war zone with air raid sirens. I mean, to me, it I mean, it didn't seem like there was any kind of actual threat of an airstrike from Russia. So it seemed to be more of them doing this for theater. They wanted this as theater. No actual threat. And the fact that you had two. These two world leaders walking out and you have the air raid sirens going again for what reason we don't know because apparently there wasn't any kind of threat of strike or anything. That's just weird. It's just weird. It's a stunt. And they're trying to make Biden look all tough and all of this. Look, he's in a war zone and he's over there helping with Ukraine, etc. In fact, I saw someone tweeting like, oh, well, while you know, so-and-so does this, Biden goes to you know, Biden goes to uh, help Ukraine out. Yeah, but then there was this weird audio of him sitting there reading cue cards. He was sitting there reading cue cards. Uh, this is audio soundbite 15. Listen to this. And you can tell that he's reading cue cards. He's sitting there essentially phoning it in. Listen to this. This sounds so weird. Uh, Ukrainian people, particularly women and children, in their prayers, see what's happened. They can't fathom the idea of the shelling night and the shelling of everything, orphanages to 
the schools to the like. It's barbaric. And I'm here to show our unwavering support for the nation's independence, their sovereignty, and, uh, and territorial integrity. And uh, today, I hope we're going to have a chance to discuss how the United States uh, and our allies by keeping constant contact with our partners. Hmm. Yeah, he's just sitting there reading off his cue card. Just, you know, reading it off. Like, it's no big deal. Just reading it off. Just done. Just wow. So, if their whole point was to have him go and parade around over there and look tough, I don't really think that that's, that's kind of being undercut with this really weird, I mean, just with his, his basic behavior. He had to read from a cue card the entire time. He has stuff in front of him the entire time. It was sitting there in his lap. The entire time. I mean, this is a stunt. It's a stunt for Zelensky to be with the U.S. president, and it's a stunt to make Joe Biden look like he's tough and like he's doing something. What gets me, though, even more, is that he can go over there. He can travel 5,000 miles and visit Kiev. He can go over there, but he can't ever actually make it to the border to see everything that's happening with our border. He can go and talk about Poland's or, or Ukraine's border, but he can't talk about the border here in the United States. Now, he left. Uh, it was all very surreptitious. He left at four in the morning Sunday and he flew to Poland and then apparently took a 10 hour train ride so they could do this so they could have this whatever this is, I guess. And it's four days before the one year anniversary of Russia's invasion. Now, he hasn't visited East Palestine either. That's kind of in his backyard, isn't it? East Palestine, Ohio is in his backyard. Toxic train derailment considered an ecological disaster. But he can go and do this. I think it's, I mean, he's concerned about their borders, but he's not concerned about our borders. And this is why a lot of people think, I mean, it's a stunt. What he's doing is a stunt. I mean, look at it this way. He could... He's, he's being besieged by a lot of people on the left and some neocons who desperately want everything to be a big conflict. And he stopped short of, uh, you know, full on, uh, you know, support. We're going we're gonna to give you some equipment and give you some cash and we're going to stop there. Obviously, Zelensky wants more. So he's going to go over there and pose with Zelensky for what? Doesn't make any sense. It's not as though he's increasing the engagement of the United States. He wants the photo op. Zelensky will welcome the photo op. Now, that's not to say, and, and by the way, these two things can be true. I always get ticked off whenever I talk about the situation with Ukraine and Russia because it's, it's, not, it's not one or the other. You can say simultaneously both of these things can coexist, that Russia had no business invading Ukraine. And also, Ukraine isn't an angel. You can say their government is not an angel. You can believe both of these things. They can both coexist simultaneously in the same sphere of reality. And you can also believe that the president could maybe, it may have been a better optic. It would have been nice if he would have visited East Palestine. I mean, he's got the time. I mean, hell, he's been calling lids at four o'clock. Can you imagine? I, I, don't, I wonder what that's like to be done with work like that. Calls lids at four o'clock. Somebody's hell, he calls lids at 12 o'clock. I mean, he has the time, clearly. So what's he, so he couldn't make the trip to his backyard in East Palestine, but he can ride for 10 hours, fly 5,000 miles, then take a 10-hour plane ride or a, a rail car, travel by train, 10-hour train ride, so that he can stand in Ukraine? I mean, just 
unbelievable. Now, apparently, the White House was very, very, you know, understandably quiet about how he was traveling and where he was traveling to. And they said that they notified the Russians that Biden was going to be traveling to Kiev. They did some so some hours before his departure for the purpose of deconfliction. Now, I do understand that if he's going to visit, you know, you got to you, you don't want the Russians to find out all of a sudden in the press and be like, oh, my gosh, he's standing there. Oh, that that because that could absolutely and especially by people as paranoid as they are, that could absolutely be interpreted as some sort of move towards increased aggression. You have to remember, like the Russian government believes if you look at them the wrong way, you're you're trying to fight them. If you sneeze in their general direction, you just challenge them to a fight. That's how they look at it. Whether they win it or not is a completely different, that's a whole other thing. They just always are in on the cusp of conflict because they believe everyone is trying to fight them. When in reality, historically, it's not really that way. That's not really what history shows. But I digress. That's the reason why they gave them the heads up so that they didn't freak out. And think that this was going to be because, look, I saw some people saying, well, we shouldn't have even notified him. No, no, no. Because here's the point. It's the point of being a leader isn't to act like the ultimate badass. Right. If you want to do that, then go try being Rambo. The goal of a leader is to maintain peace and prosperity and try not to get all your people killed in a war. That is the point of being a leader. So people who think that it's supposed to be some measure of badassery, I think, have a really completely different understanding than the idea behind the creation of what the leader of the free world is supposed to be like. Now, that's not to say you don't take a tough stance on certain issues. That's not to say that sometimes you aren't put in positions where you have to make divisive moves. I mean, that's not to that's not to the exclusion of all of those possibilities. And, you know, heaven knows that Biden's completely not up to that task. But it makes sense that he gave them a heads up. And, and hours before is just fine so that they still feel like they're still on the periphery of being in the know and that we weren't taking them by surprise. We're just but I am curious as to how it was presented to them. Like he's just going to go stand with Zelensky and no big deal. I'm just I don't know. I'm just kind of curious about all of this. I it's a very interesting. I am the only person in my house that holds the position that I do on Ukraine and Russia. The oh, I am the odd man out of my house on this. And I jokingly, somewhat jokingly, call everybody else a neocon. Uh, but I, I am very singular in my home. I just don't share the viewpoint that we have a major obligation. I, and I think that they've been doing fine on their own. I, and I don't, and that's the other thing, I don't mind helping with equipment or something else if it means I don't have to help with boots on the ground later. However, This is the big thing that everyone ignores whenever discussing this. And they always try to paint conservatives or people who ask questions about it as somehow being against a sovereign entity fighting for their freedom. Can we have some accountability? I love how the deflection is, well, you can't know where your money goes. And if you want to know where your money goes, that must mean you love Russia. It's so stupid. We just want some accountability as to where in the hell our money's going. And maybe why so much of it is going over there. I mean, good grief, we're, we're at a point where the deficit is ballooning and the, the administration's response is, isn't to give money, less money to foreign nations, but it's to tax the people of the United States more as a way to offset it because heaven knows they're not going to cut spending. So yeah, I think we're owed some explanations here. Now, in the meantime, while all of this is happening, apparently there's another $500, $500 million in Ukraine going. 
I guess the EPA and FEMA has declared that to be enough of a disaster, but not East Palestine. I'm just, you know. Uh, and the, I got a couple of other things here. The other interesting piece that I saw, this was over at Financial Times. Western pleas over Ukraine are failing to sway African and South American leaders. U.S. and European leaders are struggling to convince the rest of the world that Russia's invasion is a threat to all. Now, here's the, here's the big thing that I, that why I disagree with other people in my house. I think that there's two schools of thought. I think that you believe that Russia's trying to piece together, uh, try to, trying to glue Humpty Dumpty back together again, i.e. the USSR, the Soviet Republic. And if you believe that, if that is what you really believe, then maybe you'll see this as like the beginning stages of that. But for those of us who do not believe that, then we just take, we take issue with the fact that they're a threat. But, I mean, it's not that they're not a threat, but we think that it's being exaggerated. And so that's kind of the big difference. And you're not alone if that's what your line of reasoning is. Probably in a first, there's a number of South American leaders that are like, "Mm, we're trying to figure out if they're actually really a threat. Like they're seeing through all of this stuff. And there's there's a lot of discussion to be had there, not just South American leaders, but African leaders as well. I mean, this may be the first time that a lot of people in the West are kind of on the same page with everyone. Uh, and the administration itself is having a difficult time convincing people here in the U.S. of this. So it's an interesting discussion. We'll talk more about this. Also on deck, a couple of other things. Pete Buttigieg finally comes out of his hobbit hole and pens a sharply worded letter, guys. He has words for Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk Southern Railway. And we're going to discuss that a little bit as well. Also, some 2024 stuff. Biden's drawing up a 2024 playbook that looks a lot like 2020. J.B. Pritzker decides to get in. The guy who's literally a D.C. villain, he do, he goes after Ron DeSantis because who isn't anymore? Uh, so we've got that. Kamala's plane broke down in Germany and she had to fly home on a cargo plane. Oh, my gosh. I mean, when... Art imitates life, or life imitates art, whatever. We got that. I got Wokery, Tiger Woods, tampons, Roll Doll, all kinds of stuff. Cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. You don't want to miss. Folks, are you concerned about American K-12 through education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing Ongoing battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So first up here, there's a one in 10 billion binary star. Oh, binary. Oh, my God. Binary star system is discovered that may one day set off an ultra powerful explosion that showers the space with gold. Hopefully it'll kill us. And so we can't see it. It's because Smod is teasing us. Uh, astronomers have discovered a phenomenally rare star system that could one day trigger an enormously powerful explosion. You know, just shoot me up into space with a bucket. I'll hold it and I'll catch all the gold. 
Uh, it's a one in a ten billion system. It's so scarce that just ten of its kind are thought to exist in our entire galaxy. They said it's it's. it's I love this. This is going to be a band name somewhere. Kilonova. It has all the right conditions to eventually set off a Kilonova causing by the emerging of two neutron stars experts in the united states say creating a blast 1000 times brighter than a classical nova so it's not just your basic nova it's a kilo nova uh, the unusual star grouping known as a bunch of letters and numbers is located about 11,400 light years from earth and was first identified by nasa's neil gilroll's swift observatory and it was launched into space in 2004 that's actually kind of cool somebody's going to figure out some kind of way to stick up a giant bucket into space and catch everything i'm just saying salt lake city's mayor is saying that the great lake is drying up they're all being environmentalists over it but if you actually look into the whole situation uh, then this is the same thing with arizona it's it is the inability to balance your upkeep of infrastructure related to water supply along with growing suburban areas and so that's it's not environmentalism that's failing it's people making bad you know suburban and urban engineering decisions so we've talked about this before this i understand this and I, i realize how this might make people mad federal government has ordered feral cattle to be eliminated uh by helicopter hunting and that's because they're not domesticated they don't get Vaccine and like vaccine farmers understand this, you know, with your uh, your TB, all your other stuff, it can actually be very, very dangerous, and you can have cattle that get diseases, and they can spread it very, very quickly, and it can be incredibly dangerous. So I do actually understand that. I just wish there was a better way to go about it. Stay with us. More in store. I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? Well, like everything that Keltec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus one. So that's six rounds in each tube plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three quarter inch shells, even better because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K E L. TECweapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, I think it's important to point out, I mean, you know, the fear of kind of Russia going into NATO countries and all that and steamrolling, you know, that has not even come close to happening. I think they've shown themselves to be a third rate military power. Uh, I think they've suffered tremendous, tremendous losses. Uh, I got to think that the people in Russia uh, are probably disapproving of what's going on. I don't think they can speak up about it for obvious reasons. So I think Russia has been really, really wounded here. um, And I don't think that they are the same threat to our country even though they're hostile Mm -hmm. i don't think they're on the same level as a china Ooh, ooh, ooh! very interesting from florida governor ron desantis he's been talking about all of the stuff that they've been doing in florida uh the educational initiatives the covid task force initiative and then they asked him this question this was this morning right yes yeah it was this morning welcome back to the program dana lash here with you you're hmm intrigued curmudgeon 
You can listen coast to coast. You can watch the simulcast of the show. Also, Channel 349 Direct TV. I'm fascinated with this, which is why I'm motor-mouthing it to this point, because I was very interested by his answer here. And it was kind of an aside that Jack Keane said, uh, retired General Jack Keane. And it was, I think it was like an hour later, he was asked about DeSantis's answer. And that I found it intriguing. I'm going to relay that here in a moment. But what DeSantis is saying there, that's sort of what I agree with. If Russia was going to go in, now I get it that the longer this goes on, that it becomes harder for Ukraine. But, it, and it becomes kind of like a war of attrition in a way. I mean, well, not in a way, it becomes a war of attrition. And that's that's precisely what Ukraine is trying to avoid. However, Russia also has to have, has another consideration because the longer this goes on, the more it wears the support of the current power structure within the Kremlin. Not that they won't stop being communists. And I love it how everyone's like, well, they say they're not communists, so it must mean they're not communists. Wow, I have a bridge to sell you. I mean, and there's some conservatives that are saying this too. And I'm just like, wow, with conservatives like you back in the days of the founding, I mean, we probably would have been had the queen on our money for a hell of a lot longer. Hmm. Uh, but I thought... His, his answer here, because it does, I mean, you, you, you do have the waning support for this, especially as the people start turning because they see their husbands and sons and fathers being sent into this machine to spit at Ukraine. And for all of the effort they've put in money and time and equipment they put in it, they're not getting the returns that they were promised. And so that creates this palace intrigue within the Kremlin. And that's something that very much that that. Uh, Vladimir Putin would like to avoid. So they there is also that consideration, that aspect of it as well. Now, to DeSantis's point here, I also believe that China is a way bigger threat. I know it's more attractive because like we're in this 80s resurgence with culture and music and everything else. That doesn't mean we need to go back to the adopting the foreign policy, especially as everything has changed. Russia is not what it was. They do not have the Soviet bloc, nor do they have the resources. Yeah, their dollar got a boost uh, with all of the oil and gas, etc. But that doesn't mean that they are to a point to where they could successfully finance a larger uh, conflict, uh, larger uh, engagement. And China's not going to get involved because they would be a total drag in China's economy, as we've talked many times on this program. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's essentially propped up by capitalist adjacency, but not actual capitalism. So there's a lot of things that are factoring in and into this, but I do think that China is a bigger threat. And I think it's purposefully sometimes downplayed by people who want everyone to focus on Russia because it, I, and I think that enables China further. I think that that just helps China. It gives China cover. Uh, and and yes, that there's the, there's always the possibility of a China-Russia association. But as long as both of those companies are kind of circling the toilet with their economies, that's not going to be a reality. Uh, so that's there's there's a lot of things to think here. What gets me, and now to the point where I bring in uh, Jack Keeney, we were trying to run down this audio for you, uh, but... It was a very interesting response that he had. It was kind of an aside, but it stuck out to me. He was asked to give his reaction to what DeSantis had said about Russia and them being basically, you know, a broken threat. They're not even really a threat anymore. It's China. And it, I was I was intrigued because Keene, and I don't dislike Keene, just because I disagree with people, by the way, doesn't mean I dislike them. Uh, 
I I was really I was surprised by what he said and I disagreed with him because he he said that no 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 China's not really you know Russia's a big threat and and he said that's the he said of DeSantis's remark he said that's the same position that Obama held. Now, here's where it gets weird. That's not entirely untrue. Barack Obama did not believe that Russia was a major threat. In fact, Democrats at large did not believe Russia was a major threat. Going up into the 2016 elections, they did not believe that Russia was a major threat. I have played the audio so many times on the program of Trump raising the prospect of Russian influence in U.S. elections. And Barack Obama, when he was still in the White House, downplayed it and said that Trump should be campaigning more instead of getting involved in conspiracy theories. And he said there's no way that Russia is going to be able to influence the United States elections. He said they're decentralized for a reason, and that prevents uh, widespread fraud and manipulation. Now, and what struck, what stuck out to me on this is how differently it seems because he's being advised by a lot of the same intel chiefs, uh, a lot of the same bureaucrats in the White House and in on Capitol Hill. What gets me is how quickly that has changed. Literally within like one election season, it went from Democrats believing that Russia is not a threat to the point where they would not even allow forensic analysis of their hard drives when it did come out that there was some sort of unauthorized Russian access of DNC servers. They went from Russia's not a threat to Russia is the only threat in literally one election cycle. They needed a boogeyman to blame for all of their stupid positions and inadequacies. And that's, I mean, sometimes the most simplest Occam's razor explanation is the, is the truthful one. And I just thought that was interesting that Keene said that. Because as though, because Barack Obama held that position, then it is forever tainted and that there is no nuance there. I thought that was interesting. Like, oh, let's just go ahead and invalidate this by linking it to Obama. No, no, no. Obama held this position. So thus, no Republican or conservative could ever hold this particular position that Russia isn't the actual real threat. I find that appeal to a waning authority to be kind of weak. And, and, and if I'm being honest, I don't think that that makes any sense. That's stupid. I mean, you can say simultaneously that Barack Obama was a bad president and then also simultaneously say, but on that, he was correct. Those two things can exist, right? He can also believe that the sun is a gaseous ball in the sky and it heats the planet and he was a bad president. So you can believe these two things can coexist simultaneously just because he also thought this based on intel from the same people that were there at the, when he was. In, and remember, all of this was going right up into 2016. So all of these same bureaucrats, there's a reason why there's a lot of intel chiefs that don't get switched out. I mean, some of these positions are political, predicated upon who's in the White House, but then some of them are, are, are not. These are like career intel people, the same people in this sphere who are advising Barack Obama. And then after 2016, all of a sudden now it changes. I find that so incredibly interesting and, and, and a suspicion of convenience. I mean, really it is. And so... I don't think that DeSantis is wrong. I also don't believe that Barack Obama fully held that position because Barack Obama liked conflict. He liked nation building. He liked getting it. If you disagree with me, then I will take you back all the way to the uprising in Egypt when he sent Hillary Clinton in to back the Muslim Brotherhood, which had been banned in Egypt up until that time because they were looked at as an extremist organization. And she literally backs the Muslim Brotherhood candidate on behalf of the United States when she was secretary of state.
or how they got involved in Libya and they wanted to remove Gaddafi so that the United States could nation build. Look how well that went out. So I totally, wholly disagree with that. So I just think that it is a very, it was a very weird comment that Keene had. And that just stuck out to me. And I know it was more of an aside. And I don't think that Bill Hemmer picked up on it because he was asking him something else. But that just stuck with me. And I thought, so you're telling me in the posi- in the span of just, you know, a few months, it went from Russia is not a threat to, oh my gosh, Russia is the threat. Ignore China. Well, it's very convenient to ignore China. I mean, who benefits if you ignore China's growing threat? Well, the people who are engaged in business with China, the people who are pushing all the Green New Deal stuff. We don't have any way of subsisting on our own with our own resources here in the United States. So we have to become overly reliant on China. And I think it's naive to believe that China wouldn't use that as some kind of leverage, much in the way that Russia was using gas with Germany, threatening to shut down the pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. Which, by the way, I find it hysterical that they're accusing whether or not the United States did it. I don't know. Whether, but I find it hysterical that they're accusing the United States of some kind of treachery with Nord Stream Pipeline when they literally were publicly flaunting using energy as a weapon to Europe. I mean, FAFO, what do you think is going to happen when you do stuff like that? Now you're mad. Those are playground rules. Now you're mad. You threatened to beat somebody up on the playground and somebody kicked you in the nuts. I mean, come on. What did you think was going to happen? I mean, these are just basic observances here. But we live, the wokery has even affected the way that we do foreign foreign policy. And it's getting into our geopolitical sphere. If you can complain loudly enough that you are the biggest victim, somehow you're supposed to get special consideration, even if you're a terrorist group called the Taliban. It's wild. Now, in addition to this, there are a few other things to hit. 2024, Biden is said to be drawing up a 2024 playbook that looks a lot like 2020. So I guess this means that he's going to stay in his basement. They're trying to... Look, I've seen that there's no way in hell this guy can run. There is no way Biden goes through another. There's no way. There is no way. He couldn't even make it through State of the Union without leaning on the podium and not in a way where you're being casual with someone and you're just kind of leaning on it, talking to them. I mean, leaning on it like he was exhausted and he needed to lean on it from support. I was sitting to the side of him. I stared at him for an hour. I mean, I could have thrown a spitball at him. That's how close he he was just not well. And they're saying that his strategy is to frame the race as a contest between someone who's a seasoned leader and conspiracy-minded oppositions while trying to bat away any kind of concerns about his age. I'm going to tell you, they don't want this to be a referendum on Biden. That's the whole point. Democrats want to make this as a contest and about uh, basically measuring about experience, not as a referendum on Biden at all. It's very difficult to try to make it a contest on being a seasoned leader when you need to omit your record. And then you also want to argue that it's not a referendum on Biden. That's a really tiny little needle to thread. We're going to talk about this here coming up. we got a lot of stuff to get into, including uh, Pete Buttigieg. They, he sent a, finally, he sent a sharply worded letter to Norfolk Southern Railway. Hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We're going to get into Kamala's plane breaking down in Germany, and she had to catch a ride on a cargo plane. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So we're going to get into all of that. Bernie Sanders being anti-capitalist while selling tickets to his book tour for $95 per ticket. We got all of that. And wokery regarding Tiger Woods and, uh, yeah, tampons. I mean, it is. I, I think it's so ridiculous. 
Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Well, we don't know exactly what these balloons were, and then we've called off now the search in Lake Huron and the one over Alaska, so we may never know completely. But the leading intelligence community assessment is that they were probably for benign purposes, whether it's weather or commercial scientific research. Uh, But the president made uh, the best decision he could in the moment with the information that he had. Hmm. So they have no idea about the hobby balloon. Remember they shot down a balloon? They have no idea about it. No idea whether or not. No big deal. I just, I'm again, I go back to, I'm just amazed that we apparently are unaware of the difference. I mean, I'm sure we do, but our government doesn't realize the difference between spycraft and a kid's weather balloon. I mean, I realize that Biden's trying to offset how weak he looked in the beginning when he allowed a Chinese spy balloon to traverse the entire continental United States and end up in Myrtle Beach after going over the Aleutian Islands initially. And we did nothing about it over the Pacific. And then we waited for it to get over uh, and then pass out uh, Myrtle Beach. And then he blew it up and he got a lot of criticism. So now I guess we're shoot all the things. That's the new policy. Shoot. Don't fly your kites, kids. Or shoot that right the hell down. You'll have a sidewinder coming out somewhere at it. how it'll go dang and they still have no i that to me is hysterical it's hysterically ridiculous but it's still hysterical nonetheless golly can you imagine what also and i just want to reemphasize how amazing of an excuse that is to not have your homework no i i do not uh mrs smith because the government shot it out of the sky with an f-22 and a four hundred thousand dollar sidewinder missile yeah They shot my homework right out of the sky. They thought it was spycraft and was not. I mean, it actually could. If our own military can't even identify what they've shot down. I think our, I think our, I just, I have to imagine that our fighter pilots are sitting there in the cockpit. Like, you really want me to shoot this damn thing down? Like, really? This is a kid's, this is a kid's experiment. Really? Really, though? I mean... Uh, but John Kirby says we may never know, which means that's the last you're ever going to hear about it. You're never going to hear them talk about this again. It is done. It has been swept under the rug. It is out of public discourse. It doesn't exist anymore as far as they're concerned. It's never happened. Never happened. Never, ever, ever. Hmm. There it is. Makes you feel all the confidences, doesn't it? You feel so confident in your administration. So coming up, the president in Ukraine, he can't go to East Palestine, can't even see, send uh, Putin Buttigieg over there.
but he can go 5,000 miles to Poland and then take a 10-hour train ride to Ukraine so that they can cue the air raid sirens and he can walk out for some reason while air raid sirens are playing, even though there was no air raid happening or no threat in the skies. They just needed the theater. He can walk out with Zelensky to that, pledge another $500 million of our dollars while also bitching and moaning about the deficit and blaming tax cuts here and saying that you all have to pay more. He can't stop spending, but you all have to pay more. He's making us treat him like the new Hunter Biden. That's what he's doing. So we're going to talk about all of this coming up. And I got wokery for you. Everyone leave Tiger Woods alone. I feel like I want to send a box of tampons to that USA Today reporter. I may actually. Stick with us. I'll explain. Coming up. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at check out for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. We are also troubled that Beijing has deepened its relationship with Moscow since the war began. Looking ahead, Any steps by China to provide lethal support to Russia would only reward aggression, continue the killing, and further undermine a rules-based order. And like somewhere in Russia, they're going, yes, that is the point, to continue the killing. What are you not understanding, Kamala? That's the whole point, to continue the killing. Welcome back to the program. <laughs> you know him, right? Second hour of the show. Your intrigued curmudgeon here with you to get your whatever <laughs> this week. It's, this is already a weird week. This day is weird. Everything's weird. It's weird. It's weird I, partly because it was like 30 degrees in Texas and now it's 80. I don't know what's happening. If my head explodes, it's because of sinuses and the barometric pressure and whatever. So it's good to be with you. You guys are keeping me sane. We'll just, we're going to trek through this together. You can listen from. See to Shining Sea. You can also stream it on YouTube, Facebook, Channel 349, Direct TV. Some of you are watching right now the nationally syndicated radio show, not a podcast, although you can simulcast us. All right. So after she said this, she hopped into her blue and white plane and it broke down. Okay. I mean, imagine like thinking you're given a mic drop moment and then you hop on your plane and it doesn't go anywhere. She had to catch a ride. Back to the U.S. from Germany on a C-17 cargo plane. Oh. Oh. Cool. She uh, departed from Munich on a USAF C-17. And I'm looking at uh, some of it, the, the photos of it. Yeah, she uh, had to... Because her plane broke down. Um, Metaphors. We like them, right? Yeah. 
It's interesting. It's sort of kind of a perfect week. Oh, man. Imagine seeing this and then you can't. That's just you do not want to have that. It's all a lot of this is theater. A lot of diplomacy is theater. I mean, you realize this, right? I feel like one of the one of the few things that understood that in modern times is the film Megamind. A lot of diplomacy and negotiation is theater. Really is. I swear it is. I mean, you should go back and watch that. Your kids were right if they liked it. All right. So she says this and she's her sound bite, which is uh, that's her big contribution, I guess, to this ongoing discussion. You know, if they increase fatal equipment, if they send fatal equipment, that's only going to continue the killing. Wait a minute. You mean if they send killing things, they're going to increase the killing? What? What? That's obvious. Hi, Madam Obvious. Yes. That's that's kind of their point, isn't it? What is she going to say, though? What I mean, seriously, this administration is not prepped at all. Not prepped at all. I'd be like, well, if you guys are going to commit more to Russia, I mean, I, why don't you just set your money on fire in Beijing and Tiananmen Square, right? Just set your money on fire there because you're probably going to get an added benefit of warmth from the embers. Unlike if you were to just throw it at Russia with this Ukraine effort, that would have been my response. I wouldn't have been... Oh, well, if you keep sending killing things, killing stuff, it's going to get people killed. Can I hear it again? It's just the dumbest thing I've ever, one of the dumbest sound bites. Normally, I like it when she says things over and over again, but this is a whole new standard. We are also troubled, troubled. that Beijing has deepened its relationship with Moscow mm. since the war began. Has it? How Looking gone? ahead. Any steps by China to provide lethal support to Russia killing stuff would only reward yeah. aggression. Continue the killing. Yeah, that's kind of if you're providing fatal support. What a weird phrase. What is what what is she going to say, though? What are, what are they going to say? Well, we're kind of in a sticky wicket with this administration. Because we're trying to seem like we're tough and uh, simultaneously also not tick off the majority of Americans, Republican and Democrat, that do not want to see the U.S. kick off World War III as much as Joe Biden would love it. Because he does love a good war that he doesn't have to fight in or send his crack addicted kids. I mean, he does love a good war. You know, I'm not wrong. I mean, you might think it's harsh, but it's still accurate. The harshness does not at all in any way diminish the accuracy of what I just said. So I just feel like the better response would have been, see, this is why I can't ever be an elected office. I wouldn't want any office. I wouldn't want to have any office that anyone would want to elect me to. And I would question the wisdom of anybody who elected me. I wouldn't want it. And you wouldn't want me and I wouldn't want you. I don't want to represent anyone who would vote for me. That's my official slogan. But I would be like, go ahead and, uh, you know, what? go ahead and give me a scotch with a big fatty fat ice cube. Because I'm going to need it. Y'all are killing me. And be like, all right, pull up a chair, everybody. This, so this is what's up. Uh, if China wants to burn their own money, go ahead. Like, if you guys want to set your own money on fire by t- supporting this total JV effort, then by all means, you know, you, you, you can choose to do that. You're just going to look stupid and you're going to go broke. You guys want to go broke? Meanwhile, we're going to go over here and we're going to be swimming in our, our stacks of cash like Scrooge McDuck. So y'all can go broke by doing whatever, because oh, you're fighting over a sliver of land. Y'all can go broke 
And then we're just going to go over here and Scrooge McDuck swimming our money. And then when you guys, you know, feel like you're ready to FAFO, then we can talk then. Have a good day. And then I would make sure that my plane didn't break down when I got on it. And then that's how you leave. But it's Kamala Harris. I mean, this is the woman who says the same thing five million times and includes a Zen diagram in every speech that she gives because she's trying to project this idea that she's a nerd and likes data, but she's fun too. That's that's like what she's, that's all the whole reason she says that over and over again. Oh man. All right. So I got a couple of other things to get into here. Oh, one other Bernie Sanders. Oh yeah. I know some, I don't know why I don't understand why people like him. Honestly, the reason I think that some people like Bernie Sanders is because he's old and he doesn't GAF. That's not a virtue, though. That's not like a policy. I really like Bernie Sanders. He's old and doesn't GAF. Don't Google that, people. Don't. Don't. Just trust me. I'm just imagining like there's like some, you know, 48-year-old sitting in their cubicle in their office. Like, I'm just going to Google what that just means. And then their boss is going to come over all office space style or the office style. So the uh, thing with Bernie Sanders is he is an anti-capitalist. It's easy to be an anti-capitalist when you don't actually have to work for money. That's why Karl Marx, he, he loved not being a capitalist. The fat, smelly man whose only positive contribution to Earth was to feed the bugs in the soil in which he was buried. If you want to consider that a tasty meal, maybe the bugs found it a boon. It wasn't Russia. <laughs> they were dealing with starvation. Uh, but, you know, I digress. The reason why he... Enjoy, thought that it was cool to hate capitalism is because all his friends paid for everything. He never worked a day in his life. His own mother even lamented this. And so Bernie Sanders is kind of the same way. I have never seen the only private jo- private sector job he did, if you want to call it this, was like back in the 70s, he did a zine, which was basically a crudely manufactured magazine probably of barely literate material from one Bernie Sanders. I don't know what it was about. I don't even think he knows what it was about. People do this because they're seamsters and they want to look cool. And so that's pretty much the only capitalist endeavor in which he ever participated. I don't think he knows what capitalism is. He was he probably was told something horrific and ridiculously untrue. So it's easy for him to hate capitalism because he does it all the time without realizing it. Like, for instance, he's going on a book tour and charging people $95 per ticket. So wait a minute. You're going, and essentially, if you want to call it a service, I think it's an abuse of the term. If you're performing a service and you're charging people for that service, hmm, methinks you're engaging in some capitalism. I feel like we got to cue some oingo boingo here, man. So... You're engaging in it, but yet he hates it. And he was asked, you know, by the press, like, why are, and, you know, to, to that, and this was on Face the Nation, you know, they're selling for $95 on Ticketmaster. Like, what, like, are you, you're trying to, you know, get money, listen to this, audio soundbite five. This was very interesting. Hmm. Tickets for your tour, apparently, are selling for $95 on Ticketmaster, which is con- accused of anti-competitive behavior you know that some of your democrats are criticizing them aren't you benefiting yourself no, from this system I, that you're all, trying to dismantle first of all those decisions are made totally by the publisher and the bookseller i think there's one case where in one place here in washington po- uh, politics and pros and independent books are charging some tickets most of them i think are forty dollars fifty dollars and you get a book as well so if you want to come you're going to have to pay 
40 bucks, I'll throw them in the book for free. Hmm. So, and then he was asked, well, but you, you still don't like Ticketmaster, right? So, yeah, because I forgot about that. They really are supposed to hate Ticketmaster right now. It changes. Like, they flip a coin, and then they did, oh, this week is Ticketmaster. That we we hate them because of Taylor Swift or some stupid stuff. I don't care. I feel like every if you're going to see Taylor, I'm going to say something very unpopular. I feel like if you're going to go see a Taylor Swift show, you deserve to be swindled. But that's me. I mean, who doesn't like to watch a middle-aged woman sing about like love like she's a 17-year-old still? <laughs> Things you're not supposed to say out loud. So to that point, he's engaging in capitalism. Long story short, he's engaging in capitalism. And he was very uncomfortable. Well, I'm charging $95 a ticket because, madam, it's a grift. Okay, capitalism isn't grifting. Bernie Sanders trying to relive the Karl Marx life of luxury by siphoning off of everybody else. That is. I mean, he's got three houses. How does a guy who's never worked a day in his life have three houses? His wife got kicked off of her job. She headed up this girls' school. Y'all remember this? And she headed up that girls' school. And she was, I mean, well, I don't want to say she was pocketing money, but she got investigated because there was a misuse of a lot of money. So neither of them are good with money. I can't imagine what the hell that it is to go out to eat with them and then like the bill comes. What does that look like? I mean, neither of them can do math and neither of them know how to make their own money. So how does that work? I bet they don't go out to eat because they can never figure it out. They just think that the meal's supposed to be for free. So... He rails on capitalism, but yet has no problem engaging in it himself. I don't know why people think he's cool. He's a dumb old man. Why do people think he's cool? They think it's like edgy. I don't get it. Some of my, there are friends I know who work in commentary. I don't get why they think he's cool. Because you think he's, you think he's like the male Sophia Petrillo? He's not. Like he's, he's a goofball. He's a dork, man. He's a like a he's a a stingy old dude who doesn't want to pay for any of his own stuff and thinks you got to pay. And really, ninety five dollars a ticket for a book tour for what? For him to do his Grandpa Simpson's routine? Like what? Just think that your money is probably better spent. And at a time when everybody's broke and eggs are a trillion dollars, he's going to charge ninety five dollars a ticket. You know there are going to be some rich Democrats that uh, totally want to pay to go do this because they like you know. Like uh, Russia loves set money on fire. I don't know. So coming up, Don Lemon has been benched. He's like, I don't know if he's not, if he's officially fired or if he's going to be fired, but he's not there anymore. And he's apparently off swimming in Miami and doesn't even care. He didn't care. He really didn't care. He never actually apologized for anything he said. I'm just saying. And then Tiger Woods, there's a USA Today reporter that I feel like I just should send a box of tampons to because they got very, very upset over Tiger Woods's practical joke. And I'm just so tired of people acting like everything personally offends them. Therefore, they should be afforded more, an inordinate amount of special attention. Get stuffed. Nobody cares. Scholar and author Spencer Clavin joins me to discuss his timely new book, How to Save the West. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Clavin explains how the wisdom of ancient Greek philosophers informs our current cultural insanity and how the left's endgame is far more appalling than many realize. And I'll tell you about the latest effort by leftist elites to muzzle conservative voices. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. 
Well, today is the birthday of George Washington, the first and best president, and now everyone kind of dilutes it to being President's Day, but it's Washington's birthday. Now, to that point, this is a very interesting thing. A long-lost 1787 letter from George Washington to a retired colonel hinted that he was having some financial difficulties and needed to sell land to raise money. Yeah, because he was paying for a lot of stuff himself, as a lot of the founders were, whether it concerned the the uh, army, whether it, I mean, everything. Uh, so he chose to sell off some of his hand, his land holdings. Uh, he owned about 52,000 acres at the time of his death in 1799. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, corresponding with uh, a retired uh, uh, military member about a 1,600-something acre property on the banks of a river known as Washington's Bottom. He first purchased it in 1768. Interesting letter, though. Uh, and... If you've ever get a chance to go and see the American History portion at the Smithsonian Museum, American History Museum, you should definitely do it. They have his uniform there. It's actually shocking how slender and small of stature he was. Pilots reported a large white balloon in the skies over Hawaii. Joe Biden's probably going to shoot it the hell down, so I hope it's no one's like weather balloon or anything else. Probably, chi- But if it's, ch- if it's a Chinese spy craft, it'll be allowed to stay up there for forever. Richard Belzer passes away, age 78, a hysterical comic. He was on uh, Law & Order SVU and eight other shows. He leaves behind his wife and stepdaughters. Starbucks recalls more than 300,000 bottles of ready-to-drink vanilla frappuccino because they may contain glass, and not just the glass that it's in, but like some fun glass bits might be in it. We have a lot more on the way. Don't go anywhere. It's like a Jack Ryan plot, this whole situation unfolding. Stay with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. If House Republicans go ahead, you could be the first cabinet secretary to be impeached since 1876. I guess my response is twofold. Uh, Number one, I'm not going to resign. There's a tremendous amount of work to do, and we are doing it, and I'm incredibly proud to do it alongside and in Mm -hmm. support of 260,000 extraordinary personnel in the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, I'm done with him already. So this is Mayorka saying that he's not going to resign because he still has a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work of nothing to do. I've done a lot of nothing. I've got more nothing to do. Lots of things that are nothing. I don't even know what I'm doing, Chris. Don't, Don't even know. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. You're intrigued curmudgeon starting your Monday off correctly. You can watch the radio show. We're a nationally syndicated radio show. You can listen coast to coast. You can also watch us on YouTube, Facebook, 349 DirecTV via the first as well. Sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. You get all kinds of goodies. I should just rename it the Goody Room, considering that. Because, yeah, why not? Like, why not do it? Chapter and Verse sounds way too proper. And I just, some days I just don't feel like that. Or if nice, you know, I don't know. So Mayorkas was saying, because he's getting pressured. He says, no, they're not going to force me out. The people who represent the people of America, he says, are not going to force me out. Because apparently, I guess he doesn't think that he works for the people of America and has to be held accountable to the people who represent the people of America. You know. So the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, said he's not going to ever leave his position. They're not going to force me out. And he also doesn't think that he's ever done anything wrong. Audio soundbite one. Oh, get a load of this. Get a load of this soundbite. Hmm. What, what do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to 
uh, continue uh, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique migration to the United challenge. States, to continue that dialogue. Okay, I can't anymore. It. If I hear, hear him anymore, I'm going to scream. It's going to be horrible. So it's not an issue of pot. See, he believes, I just believe, Chris, that and if you want to come into the United States, like whenever the hell you want, and you want to bring drugs and stuff, just go ahead. Come on in. Just go across the Rio. It's okay. That's That's the policy difference. Because see, we don't think that's cool. Like no other country allows for what he thinks should be allowed at the southern border to exist. The United States is the only sovereign entity in the world not afforded any kind of respect or consideration for its own borders. Ireland's having like a big thing right now because of immigration. They tried weakening the immigration laws and everyone's revolting. And you don't hear anybody freaking out over the Ireland. No, it's the United States bad. Guys are so mean. Should be able to come in whenever we want. It's not how that works, though. I mean, you don't even do that with your house. So why would you do that with your country? I mean, it's the same difference. Doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense. No, he says that Republicans are just being political by drawing to the crisis, drawing attention to the crisis that I helped create at the border by not actually enforcing the law. Wait a minute, who's drawing it? You're not enforcing the law. That's going to draw attention. But you're mad because people are like, look at that guy not enforcing the law. How dare you know what I'm doing? You're not enforcing the law. Yes, I know, but you're the evil one because you brought attention to it. And everyone knows that's way worse than the crime itself. You can't bring attention to the crime. It's bad. Yeah, according to Mayorkas's world, can you imagine? Golly. So he's not going to resign. He's like, I've got a tremendous amount of work of nothing to do. I just feel like as the taxpayer, like you go when I tell you to go. I was reading this piece by my friend Mark Judge, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. This goes so well with this video that we were listening to on break and crying over. Uh, he has a headline called Home Depot Demotion and Why Journalists Suck. One system works and the other doesn't. And he gets into how, and I think this is even more than journalists. I think you could expand this to include just people in government. He was saying, wouldn't it be great if, I mean, and people had the same accountability as like your local Home Depot worker. And he said that he, he worked at Home Depot for Christmas season once. And that he uh, made a mistake, and unlike most everybody, whether they're journalists or people in government, that he paid for it. He says it was a brilliantly sunny and cold morning, and a guy pulled up in a BMW, <clears throat> told us to put the Christmas tree he had just bought into his car. He says there was no redacted way that tree was going to fit in that car. He says, my colleague I was working with that day, and he says White Bob and Black Bob. I don't know what the difference. I'm just reading as he wrote it. He says, White Bob tried to explain to the car's owner, sir, I think it might be better if you just put the Christmas tree on top of your car and tie it down the way we've been doing it all week. He goes, the owner, Judge writes, the owner, a 40-something guy who looked like a member of Kraftwerk and had a European accent, would not budge. Quote, no, no, it will fit in the car. White Bob looked at it and I looked at each other. Things have been running smoothly all morning. Customers could walk into the lot, size up their trees, pick one out, pull around with their cars, tie them on the roof, bada boom, bada bing. He goes, but Mr. Kraftwerk wasn't having it. He was with his wife and child, a girl who looked like she was 10. She was tucking at her own fingers with excitement. Santa was coming. The family ride was a shiny blue two-door BMW. Dad was sure we could get a 12-foot Canadian balsam fur into that eight-foot space. 
He said White Bob, named to differentiate him from Black Bob, who was a manager in the store, looked pained. Like me, he was in his 50s. He'd worked here for a few years and knew how stuff was supposed to be done. He said still he gave in. The plan was to send the tree in from the front passenger side, top going in first. He said that way we could push from the fat base and jam the rest of it in there. And it would be like squeezing a xylophone into an Amazon locker. He said, and this is Mark Judge's piece, which I think ties into Mayorkas beautifully. He says, the front end went pretty smoothly, although needles flew and there were crunching sounds. And the bottom end was a physics nightmare. Every time we planted ourselves behind the base and shoved, it would just spring back. We dug in and heaved and then bounced back. Heave, squeeze, bounce. At about the 10th attempt, the base slipped into the car and it instantly expanded inside the car and cracked the front windshield with a pop. Mr. Kraftwerk went into temporary shock along with his wife. The daughter stopped tugging at her fingers. White Bob went silent. I walked a few feet to the temporary stand where we sawed the tree bases and sat down. It was a legal matter now. Home Depot, of course, had a procedure. He says the store I worked at had the worst parking lot of any store in the U.S., a CV-sized lot for a centrally located and busy location. There were always dings and scrapes and crashing carts and yelling voices. He said, sure enough, Black Bob, and he was a manager there at Home Depot. He appeared with his clipboard, and he was a manager because he was completely cool under pressure and had a great head for numbers and measurements. He escorted Mr. Kraftwerk into the store to fill out the forms. He says, after that... White Bob and I were moved off a Christmas trace. He went to kitchen and I went to mulch pit. I was only here for Christmas anyway and would soon be gone. He says, the last time I visited the store, the other guys had also moved around. Promotions, demotions, quitters and go-getters who are now managers. He goes, in other words, as crazy as you might think Home Depot is, the system worked. And everyone shifted to the station appropriate to their history and record. You know, it'd be great if that actually worked like that in government. I mean, he's talking about, my, my friend Mark Judge is talking about journalism here and i want to send this link out to you it's a funny read in your email prep but it would be great if like mayorkas mayorkas is like the guy who wants to shove the christmas tree he's both mr Kraftwerk and the guy who thinks that they can make this happen for mr Kraftwerk. but it's not happening i mean his policy at the border is creating more badness at the border and at no point does he stop and think hmm the lack of law enforcement at the border might kind of be a problem no he's mad because you damn Republicans are pointing it out. You Republicans pointing out the lawlessness that I have created at the border. How dare thou? Thou must look the other way. How dare thou? You're playing politics. This does not have any, this isn't politics. Look, play this. He can't even define what secure is. I mean, this is like Bill Clinton saying, well, what is is? This is crazy. But Listen to When this. you say it's what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is that by, by that measure, the border has never been secure. Right. Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks at the statutory definition, the literal interpretation of the statutory language. If one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, oh, uh, then the we have breached the security. I mean, you know, it's a—it's uh, really just, you know, what is secure? Yeah, man. So see, like normally, if this was like any real decent reality then he would be Alejandro Mayorkas would be moved out of the 
he would just be moved out of government out of government he wouldn't be re- there he wouldn't be relocated he would just lose his job but see this is the policy of the entire administration can you imagine having his job now you're we're going to assign you this post but you can't actually do any of the work what yeah no no, no you're not going to do any of the work just let whatever the hell happens on there happen wait but no 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 Mm-mm. don't be racist but sir my name is alejandro mayorkas yes don't be racist white adjacent don't yeah. Yeah, it's why we picked you, because of your name. We picked you because of your name and your ethnicity, but shut up. You see how this works? This is what they're doing. It's just, just, I'm telling you. And I got a couple of other things. Can we talk about Tiger Woods for a minute? I I feel like maybe I should save this because I'm going to have to come back to this. I also want to hit the latest with Ohio. I'm I'm going to come back to the the Tiger Woods thing. In Ohio, the state senator is begging residents in a 10-mile radius to not drink the water. Mm Mm-hmm. Ohio Senator Michael Ruley says don't drink the water in East Palestine. He says it's not safe. Wait a minute. You, you, you mean that the, the chemicals that were in that creek that they, we don't know when they actually dammed it may have gotten elsewhere and we don't know, or the chemicals that, are, that saturated the ground and then there are a lot of people that got well water up there? You mean you, we don't know? Really? Kind of, we kind of knew. I'm glad he's saying it, but it feels like two weeks ago this should have been said. You know, when it happened. Like back on the 4th. This is before Valentine's Day, right? This is older than some of the call to action copy I have for my lives. I mean, you know, it feels like they should have come out with this a hell of a lot sooner. I mean, yes, it's been two weeks later. And uh, you guys are probably, if you go out and it rains, you probably have uh, open blisters on your skin from where the raindrops hit you. But hey, you know, don't drink the water. You know what? I was thinking about this. Do you know what's going to happen to this area? Think about this for a moment. Because of this and the reaction to it, what if, I mean, if people wanted to leave the area, they wouldn't even be able to. They wouldn't be able to offload their house. They wouldn't be able to go anywhere. What has it done to the property value? You think of everybody's houses in that area. Oh, man, Norfolk Southern. Oh, they got a lot of reckoning. Oh, I'm just saying. This is a lot bigger. I mean, it's an ecological disaster, and they've created a financial disaster for a lot of people. We have more on the way. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. <clears throat> okay. So, I don't even know what to make of this guy's mugshot. It, his, he was described as having a face that looks like a high school desk. A 37-year-old man charged for murder at a Blue Angel Parkway home. 37 years old. His name is Nicholas Pierce. He was arrested for second-degree murder, probation, violent, violation, vehicle theft. Uh, the victim was a 23-year-old. But what makes this guy interesting is the doodles on his face. And I mean doodles. Like there's a paper airplane tattooed on his face. He's got a really bad spider on the bridge of his nose. Uh it's very easy to figure out, you know, if you had to describe this guy, I guess, like for, you know, uh, Bolo, it'd be really like the guy whose face looks like a desk, looks like a kid's desk. What did you say in Slack? I said that face tattoos mean that those people just don't GAF. I mean, like this particularly. Oh, like that one especially. Face. Yeah. yeah, like you said, those are doodles. Those aren't even like professionally done tattoos. Yeah, that's not. I mean, these are bad. I had to just I had to because it does. I thought the description was 
was accurate. A Florida man punches a bobcat to save his daughter's dog. I do the same damn thing. A Florida man fended off a bobcat attack. Bobcat attack is a great band name. Can't figure out what genre. He uh, fended off a bobcat attack on his daughter's dog by swinging his fist and clocking the wild animal in the face. Paul Broadhurst told Fox 32 Orlando that he was walking the dog, Coda, uh, in just in the neighborhood, in their neighborhood, when is in East Orlando, when the bobcat pounced. He said he clawed into me pretty good and I ended up having to punch him in the mouth to get it off me. He said he was uh, walking down the sidewalk and the bobcat was just over the top of him. He said he ripped him off. He tried to pry the animal away from the dog, sending the bobcat scurrying into a tree line. And uh, he said the pe- the pet was uninjured during the, the attack. He goes, this is a high traffic area. People, okay, I have a whole thing with this. Sidebar, this is not Florida. So yesterday I was driving. I had to drop some stuff off. I had an errand to run. And I was driving past this park area, and I thought it was either a smallish coyote with mange or an abandoned dog. And as I was pulling my car over to get out of my car to try to see if I could help it, I thought, you know, if this is a coyote, what if this damn thing has rabies? And I was thinking, I was like, it does look kind of weird. Like it could be like a small-ish coyote and it had a weird spot on it. And I don't know. I was like, man, that's the last thing that I need to do is like get out and try to run down this damn mangy, rabid coyote thinking it's a dog. And then I'm going to make my own headline. So I ended up thinking better of it and I got back in my car. My husband doesn't know. So don't say anything. Yeah, no, well, no, he might not be listening. We're just not going to say anything about that. A Florida man was accused of child neglect after the, a toddler test positive for cocaine. You think? St. Peter, how, how, do you, how does your kid accidentally, your toddler, three-year-old, accidentally get cocaine? The baby visited him in December, said authorities. Pinellas County Sheriff's, they booked him, though, just the, this past week. The girl's mother said that when she took her daughter home, the daughter had stomach ache, cold sweats, etc. The daughter's okay now, but the guys in jail posted a $5,000 bond. Third hour on the way. Don't go anywhere. More of the Dana Show coming up. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. I'm just speaking from the heart. Um, The one line that I love is, uh, we must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. Well, guess who society is? The parents. We parents are society. And we determine what is taught, not you. Man, this is a case of credentialism, if I've ever seen one. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you, your bemused curmudgeon. Listen from coast to coast, sea to shining sea, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, an affiliate in your area. You can also watch the simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio show, YouTube, Facebook, uh, also on DirecTV channel 349 via the first. So this is Alicia Messing. She's testified before the Arizona Senate Education Committee last week in opposition to Arizona Bill SB 1700, which would give parents more insight into the materials that their schools use. And give them a, a pathway to object to material that they find non-academic and objectionable. Like things that are promoting how to have sex with people 
as as academics in some of the books that have been in libraries. It's kind of crazy. And so she says that, you know, public education is not only to teach what parents want their kids to be taught, what society needs them to be taught. Okay, well, again, as I said, we the parents are society. See, there isn't something, this society determined that long ago that our kids should know math and and science and reading and writing, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Teaching, talking to, because it's not teaching. You're not teaching them anything. You're talking to them about your political ideology. I mean, some of the books, like, again, I can't even t- really fully tell you what a lot of the books that were in these libraries, what they what they had in them, because I would get in trouble on air. I can't even talk about it on air. So why can't, why should it be in your minor child's library? And this is, people aren't making these up. I mean, my friend had a daughter uh, in a junior high. Now the daughter's in high school, had a daughter in junior high. And this is one of the schools that kicked it all off in Texas. And one of the books that was in the junior high library was a, like a short graphic book like a, gra- not, I want to say graphic novel, but it was, you know, it was a, a few pages, but it, uh, and it was the, oh gosh, what is it? The gender queer book or something like that. And it literally had, uh, the characters with strap ons and all kinds of stuff and engaged in intercourse. I'm not even kidding you. That was in the book. I mean, with pictures of it and explicit descriptions. You tell me what a seventh or eighth grader, what seventh or eighth grader needs to have that as part of their curriculum. What, what, do, what does that have to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic? That's not what parents have agreed to. That's political indoctrination. It's, it's, it's crazy. It has nothing to do with it. And so this idea that parents don't get a say. Parents are society. I mean, she's, this, and this educator has apparently used this kind of line before. There, but there are a couple of really good pieces out about this. She's apparently used this type of discussion before. I mean, she's public education for to teach kids what society needs them to be taught. And that's the parents. Parents are the ones who raise, we raise our kids. We deal with the consequences of what our kids learn or don't learn. These people wash their hands of it and then they're done. Yeah, you want to be real truthful about it? I don't talk to any of my junior high teachers. I'm not really, are you in, how many of your high school and junior high teachers are y'all still in contact with? Do they still weigh in and, and sit here and try to influence your lives? That's the thing. Parents, a parent's job is never done. These people are supposed to work in partnership with the parents who pay their salaries through tax dollars. And and this idea of credentialism that just goes to show you that not every credential is the same. And just because you got a college to give you a credential doesn't mean you're smart. Some of the stupidest people I've ever met in my life paid way too damn much for their overpriced and worthless degrees. I mean, that's, you know, you're, as Thomas Sowell said, this is a great quote. It's hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. I mean, anyone who is upset in education at the pushback they're getting, look in the mirror for the cause of it. Parents are pushing back because they were unhappy as to what they were seeing. The school is not the custodian. The school is supposed to be a partner 
to the parent in the facilitation of education. And people who do not understand that arrangement or that relationship shouldn't be in that industry. Now, a few other things to get into. Wokery. Two things. We're going to talk about Roald Dahl, and I got to get into this Tiger Woods thing because I am greatly amused by this. So Tiger Woods found himself in some trouble. And now other people are, because everybody's got to have a take on it, you know. Everybody's got to have their take. So like Michael, or Michael Johnson is now involved in this. I don't even know why. Let's start with the beginning. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? So what happened is Tiger Woods, he does like, you know, guys have pranks. They, they do pranks. He handed his plane partner, Justin Thomas, a tampon, seemingly suggesting that he plays like a woman after he outdrove him. And everyone's like, it's a bizarre prank. He returned from injury last week. He uh, consistently outdrove Justin Thomas. And during the round, he handed him a tampon. It's a joke. Get over it. I mean, geez, some of these people. Some of these people prove the need to have jokes like this. And it was funny. They both laughed about it. He like did it kind of like underhanded. And then they both looked at each other and laughed hysterically. And cameras picked up on it. They were both having a good time with it. And then you have these people. I don't even know who this one guy is. I'm just it was like USA Today reporters and all this stuff. This one guy writes about golf and he goes, call me woke, call me offended. Handing another male golfer a tampon is not funny. I think Josh Jeffrey needs one. Go get you some Playtex, sis. And then uh, they've got, a, I mean, I cannot even believe that people are upset about this. This is like one of the most benign jokes ever that you could ever make. It is, it's, and now everybody's up and on. Everybody's got to have a take. Everybody's got to have a piece of the victim pie, guys. They've got to get in and they all got to be upset. They got to be upset. So now you have this uh, USA Today columnist, Christine Brennan. I don't know if I'm familiar. Uh, USA Today does ABC, some of this other stuff. NPR tells you. NPR. And they have this piece that says, you're a 47-year-old girl dad and you pull juvenile and sexist tampon pranks. Sexist? How's it Sexist. It's funny. Get over yourselves. I'm so tired of this. I think, think that all the people upset need a tampon and some Midol. See, I, I would have handed them Midol because that's actually more apropos. And all these people, Tiger's tampon moment leads to various questions. Do all male golfers carry tampons on the course? Can you imagine going through life so insufferably humorless? She sounds like a party. She actually sounds like somebody I would needle at dinner and make cry. Uh, but she sounds just, yeah. What gets me is that, um, how dare you all assume his gender? What if he's one of those guys who didn't have a no tampon machine in his bathroom, right? That's a thing now. But they went over and above. They're trying to say that golf is for men and men alone. That's completely your own stupid hyperbole. He was joking with him. I would do it too because you know what you know what here's the thing and I'm so tired of people like constantly be offend, being offended over everything people need to stop taking things like a bit they really do just stop stop getting offended if you are so weak that you're going to be offended over someone else's private joke that the recipient who 
if anybody was going to be offended, it would have been him. And he wasn't. So what that means to all these other people that there's free offense because he didn't take the offense laying there. I feel like we're all playing a video game and someone had a pickup and they didn't take it. Oh, my gosh. You didn't get your pickup. Like they dropped a potion or they dropped, you know, like uh, some, you know, a life potion or something. Oh, you didn't get it. Go get that doesn't mean because this guy didn't get upset. That doesn't mean that it's free offense for you to take. He didn't get offended. Can I have dibs on him getting offended? I want to get offended. That's what this is. I want to get offended, though. This woman's column is so embarrassing. I think I'm going to send her a box of tampons and might all. I actually am legit thinking I'm going to do it. Do it. No, I'm going to do it. Do it. I'm so going to do it. I'm going to address. I just, I can't. Everyone likes, I, it's funny. It's absolutely funny. You're policing something that is such a minor thing. I hope he does it again. I think it's hysterical. And then you had Michael Johnson. Shut up. Shut up. Wait a minute. I got to get in on this. He's an Olympic legend. Why does he, he not even play, why does he got to get into this? Does he play golf? How the hell did he come in? Who else is going to get in on this? Is Chef Bobby Flay going to get offended? Like, who other, what other random person is going to get mad over their private joke? Who else? One of the housewives? Who else is going to get mad about this? Come on, everybody. Calling all randos. Come get upset over Tiger Woods' tampon joke. By the way, by getting upset, come and take your free bottle of Midol because all you bitches need it. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes people need to get told. And you know what? I am here to fulfill that service. I will do it for free because I love America. I have more to come from that. Seriously, why did he get involved in this? Anybody here want to get offended? Any of you guys won't get offended? No. I'm no. I did. My only my only beef is that it was not my doll. And also, that I bet that's a Tampax. How much you want to bet? Uh, Looks like one of them little tiny toilet paper roll ones. That's what it is. Only women are going to understand that. And the men are like, I don't, I don't get that joke. The women are dying. But the men are like, I don't get it. I don't get that one. That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. Don't get offended and write a column about me. Uh, all right. So I got more. I have more. But wait, there's more. The purchase of one slap chop, you get another slap chop for free. No, you don't. I'm not handing out any slap chops. Roll doll. The guy who wrote Willy Wonka. Daily Mail goes, Wokey Wonka? That hurt me. So now we're going to get into this because they said that, I just think if you're going to get upset over Roald Dahl, it'd probably be his rumored (laughs) anti-Semitism. But no, they're mad because Augustus Galoop is fat. Well, he was. And they're mad because the Oompa Loompas, they aren't, they were mad because they were small and orange. Now they want them all to be gender neutral. Woke Publishing is rewriting all of Roald Dahl's books for all new editions. This is going to happen to every book. Mark my words. Wait until you hear the significant changes that are being made. And think about how this is going to affect all reprints going forward. History is being rewritten. We are literally in 1984 and George Orwell was a prophet. I'm telling you. So we got all this and more on the way. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. The uh, Muslim DEI chief of a left-wing group is accused of actually being white. (laughs) 
Oh, my gosh. It's a leader in the American Friends Service Committee, AFSC, and they've been accused of being white instead of people of color. Uh, that is hysterical. They're facing backlash. Others have raised concerns that they are not honest about their own ethnic backgrounds, etc., etc. I am... I just feel like the left... Just go ahead and eat your own. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, brain implant startup, backed by Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, is now testing mind-controlled computing on humans. No, thank you. It's called Synchron. It's part of an emerging, emerging crop of companies testing technology in the brain-computer interface industry. And the system is implanted through blood vessels that allows patients to operate technology using only their minds. This and the robot dog that we had last week, I'm not interested. No, no thanks. California... In some of their cities, they're banning the homeless. They're banning tent people. Well, I th- I thought you all loved the homeless, though. I mean, so much for, you know, so much for, I guess, being there for people. But they've done that. Uh, instead of actually doing anything to help improve, you know, the poverty that's taking place in Culver City, they have, it's an anti, anti-camping ordinance. I just saw a picture of one of them that had a dog, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that dog's homeless, too, and it made me sad. Uh, also, oh gosh, I really don't want to read this one. This is from NBC. California City. No, this is uh, not the right one. Uh, I have this too. A uh, valet crashed a rare Lamborghini. I'm not even going to read that headline anymore because I'm going to die. Stay with us. we got a lot more in store back after this. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Today we host President Biden. That is so important signal for us. And all we are proud of it. Thank you very much for coming, Mr. President. That is a huge moment of supporting of the Ukraine. And um, what can I say? I really appreciate that President Biden, American society. Hmm. So that is... Volodymyr Zelensky, who is uh, thanking the president for making that not publicly known until it happens, stop there in Ukraine. He couldn't get to East Palestine, but he could go 5,000 miles to Poland and then take a 10-hour train ride to uh, Ukraine. And then he walked out with Zelensky uh, where they had like air raid sirens going, which seemed really weird to me because I, I don't know what Secret Service standard operating procedure is for that, but it didn't seem like there was an air raid. So it seemed like theater and it was just all incredibly weird. Um, but this, they said that they had uh, notified the Russians that this trip was happening so that they didn't get all freaked out. They said they notified them hours before, which I can understand why. But what is the point? What is the point? I get it that it's like four days before the year of the year observance of the invasion, but overall, what is the point of him going there? That's the big question that I have. And maybe Stephen Yates, he is a expert at all things foreign policy. Uh, He's with the America First Policy Institute, but he wears many hats. He joins us. Always good to see you, my friend. Why was he there? Why did Biden go? Well, I wish I had a great answer that would make it obvious to you and everyone else why this makes sense, other than the magic of the calendar and Uh, We've talked multiple times, but I think it bears repeating. This administration seems to think that comms strategy is the only thing that is necessary, that if they can manipulate the narrative, somehow the world will follow. Uh, I don't see why this was necessary. I don't necessarily object 
But I would like as an American for the president to be defining what is the end state of our mission there? What exactly is our role? I mean, we had this debate in our country about unilateralism versus multilateralism and all that. And Biden and the Democrats were almost 100% on the multilateralism approach. Who's the multilateral coming along for this conversation to bring money and risk and whatever? Uh, I think there's actually some degree of risk of reinforcing the notion that this is just Joe versus Vladimir and Ukraine is the turf when that is not in fact what's supposed to be happening. Should mm. be Europeans helping Europeans, it's supposed to be NATO proving its value. Uh, and it was supposed to be focusing on some kind of a defined objective with some sense that there would be an end point. Mm. That's actually kind of what 2016's election was all about and 2020 was supposed to be continuity on that front. So I am very, very frustrated with trying to watch how this plays out. Uh, the endless amounts of money without a discernible, measurable, accountable, verifiable goal is very concerning to me, as I think it is to many other Americans. And I don't really appreciate our elected officials just saying, because this is all important, this is good versus evil. I think we need a little more, a little more than that. See, and that's the thing we're talking to our friend Stephen Yates that I, I feel like this comes down to. And I made I was telling everybody earlier, I'm the only person in my house with this viewpoint. I don't think that Russia is the biggest geopolitical threat. And you and I agree on this. I always think I still think it's China to that end. I, I realize and I think that this has been presented by you know Mike Pompeo and others before they think that Russia is going to try to piece together back the old Soviet Republic. I think that's a huge leap. That's what all of this seems to be predicated upon that. Well, if they're not just going to stop here, they're going to continue going and going and going until they threaten NATO countries and until they're on the doorstep of NATO. And you and I've discussed this before. Well, they are on the doorstep of NATO. There's I mean, hi, basic geography 101. I mean, to, I, I don't think that that's their end goal. Who knows what their end goal is? I mean, isn't that part of the Russian thing is that they try to be spooky and, and mysterious and weird? I mean, that's when nobody who knows what their end goal is. I just don't think it's that. Right. Well, I mean, I, I have a colleague at America First Policy Institute, General Keith Kellogg. He spent multiple days there on the front lines. Uh, I will gladly take a back seat to his vast expertise on military and materiel when it comes to conflict and where all this is going. Uh, but I also very, very much believe that the president of the United States, especially the current president, is not equipped to define what mm -hmm. the military strategy and materiel are to bring this to a, a successful conclusion. The job of the president is to shape, organize, lead, rally, sell. What are we doing, why and with whom? And what are the measurable guideposts and right. how do we know when we're clearing them? And that's kind of the job of a CEO, not the military affairs department of the enterprise. That's what Joe Biden's supposed to be occupying. We have Kamala Harris going to the Munich Security Conference again to have some meetings that again, don't really say that much. And then a president shows up unannounced, not that big a deal when the president goes to a war zone, tend not to give a lot of advance notice. There's kind of odd things, but this itinerary is weird. But if you're going to do it, you should have a punchline. When George W. Bush went into Iraq or Afghanistan to rally troops, the purpose of it was to show up and give solidarity to the troops. It was to push a government to say, be a little less corrupt, 
pick up more of this burden sharing, rally the coalition. There were definable objectives. You could agree or disagree with the war, but so, there was a purpose. To your point, I wanted to play this really quickly for you and have you react to this soundbite. This is Kamala Harris. This is at that Munich. Well, this is before. And then she tried to guess drop the mic on this and then hopped on a broken down plane. Uh, but she mentioned this makes me wonder if this was their purpose in being here, but it didn't seem very clearly articulated. Listen to the soundbite. We are also troubled that Beijing has deepened its relationship with Moscow since the war began. Looking ahead, any steps by China to provide lethal support to Russia would only reward aggression, continue the killing, and further undermine a rules-based order. That's a very odd way of saying it, but she said if they're providing, if China provides lethal support, it's going to continue aggression and killing. Yeah, if you provide killy stuff, it's going to kill people. Do you think that that's maybe why it is? Are they trying to sort of like offset because there were these overtures that, you know, meetings between Beijing and Moscow, etc. Is that the whole reason then? It's just that it just feel like these people imagine they're playing tiddlywinks. They're getting together with stone cold killers. And they think that if I warn you that a rules based order will be undermined, if you keep <laughs> doing what you're doing, what is this rules based order? There isn't order, there's just power and the naked exercise of that power. And if you walk in as the pencil neck geek trying to say, disc, this, this, People are going to be upset. These people are not deterred by that. Secretary Blinken wanted to warn Beijing, well, don't do that. It will just escalate a situation. Beijing doesn't have a problem putting Muslims in a concentration camp, stomping on the people of Hong Kong, threatening to incinerate the people of Taiwan, float magical, mysterious balloons over us and send COVID out into the world. And oh, by the way, poison you with fentanyl too. Do you really think they care about a rules-based order? You need the only way to stop a forceful, powerful bully is to be forceful and bully them back. And if we don't have the stomach or strategy to do that, that's a choice. Mm. But this other thing is just asking to be a doormat to get walked over. Yeah, bullying is part of diplomacy. I wanted to ask you about the situation with this Nord Stream pipeline stuff because the way that the Russians are putting it, the U.S. did it to poor old little old Russia. How dare they look that we blew up their pipeline. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just think in terms of aggression, you publicly bragging about how you basically can put your foot on the neck of Europe with energy supply seems like that's a pretty big step of aggression if aggression is on the menu of discussion. I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on that whole because I feel like that's growing. That whole controversy is growing. Well, the controversy is growing, but the event is sort of in the distant past. And so there's sort of this bureaucratic and human inertia to say, well, that was really bad. And we were probably manipulated and misinformed and whatever effect it was going to have probably should have happened then. The sort of uncovering of evidence now is has a little bit more of a dull thud upon arrival. Uh, it does show the lengths to which the government is willing to go to seemingly around the edges try to influence and deter and disrupt, but, but they never, if, with, if they're not gonna communicate, what is the ultimate objective? And what am I going into this meeting to dissuade someone from invading? And then they invade anyway? What's this other stuff you're doing? If you're gonna go try to say Beijing, don't send them arms, and then they do anyway, then what? You're still stuck 
with less influence. So I, I think that the whole problem, whether it's the pipeline, whether it's the jawboning, the showing up unannounced without really much of an agenda other than we're going to pay you more money and send you more weapons, it's just more of the same. And I was told as a kid that if you keep doing the same thing, don't expect different results. Hmm. You and Einstein, I'm telling you. See, great <laughs> minds, great minds. Stephen Yates, always a pleasure. You can find him on Twitter at YatesComs. Thank you so much for letting us pick your brain. We appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you so much, Dana. Take care. Of course, you too. We have more to come, folks. Roald Dahl, they're trying to rewrite Willy Wonka. Not just Willy Wonka, but like every book now, apparently. Because they're upset over the size, the diminutive nature of the Oompa Loompas. They're fictional characters. This soft fiction. And uh, they they got mad because Augustus Galoop is fat. Because he's supposed to represent a sin. You stupid people. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Even so, as a former board member told me 10 years ago, Project Veritas will never be stopped from the outside. It will only be because we stopped ourselves, right? I'll get to that, too, in a minute. Prophetic as it may be, that is exactly where we find ourselves in the situation today. A situation where I have been stripped of my authority as CEO and removed from the board of directors. I bet you didn't know that. I'll get to that in a minute. Hmm. So James O'Keefe is out at Project Veritas. I've unfollowed them. I'm not going to give them another damn dime. And I've donated, in full disclosure, thousands of dollars to Project Veritas. Uh, but not going not gonna to support, uh, support that because he is Project Veritas. And it's amazing to me that to think that a bunch of stuffed shirts who made bank off of his instinct and gumption think that they can do without said instinct and gumption. Not going to happen. I've known him for 15 years. I've known him for a long time, since before Tea Party days, um, at the start of Acorn, all of that. Um, so I know him, I don't know them. That's how I look at it. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here. The uh, whole situation with Roald Dahl, this is, it's not just about Roald Dahl, and yes, this is funny when I share this with you, how ridiculous this is, Uh, But man, so the publisher, they're they're rewriting because they have new editions that come out. You know, you have to do reprints. All of the new editions, they're rewriting them to remove language that woke scolds might find offensive. And they're pretty pretty, uh, comprehensive edits. So they can't use the word fat that's been cut out of every book. Augustus Galoop can only be described as enormous. The because his descriptions of each of these through Charlie Bucket's eyes in Willy Wonka, like for instance, and that's just one of the books that's getting rewritten, are very vibrant. So they don't refer to gender in any of the books. None of the books are called female, like none of them are referred to as female. So Miss Trunchbull and Matilda was once called a more, most formidable female because he loves the play on the consonants there, F and F. Now is a most, more, most formidable woman. And her great horsey face is now just her face. Oompa Loompas, who were once small men, are now small people. And all of Fantastic Mr. Fox's sons have become daughters. And in The Witches, which is hysterical, they have an entire paragraph that they added. Because the witches in Roald Dolls, the witches, they're bald under their wigs. Now they have, quote, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Well, these aren't women. These are witches. So, holy wow. 
uh, they removed they removed all the words crazy or mad that he used in you know pretty humorous fashion. And the big friendly giant in BFG doesn't wear a black coat any cloak anymore, and the characters cannot quote turn white with fear because they take they took out all references to the words black and white. I'm not even kidding you. And then the Cloudman and James and the Giant Peach, they're cloud people now. Puffin is the publisher, and they were they're making the changes. And Netflix bought the World Doll Story Company like for like five hundred million dollars or something. And I am just amazed at they're rewriting, and this is not just probably with his book, but with everything. Like, remember they removed Mike TV's toy pistols from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They've done that. This is crazy. They have organizations, grifters called like like Inclusive Minds. It's a grifter company. They have sprung up this. Whole, it's a whole cottage industry to get publishers to pay them to navigate the new ridiculousness that they created. It is so stupid. They're destroying literature. They're destroying books. They're just it's this is it's insufferable. Absolutely insufferable. I mean, this is there. It's it's I just can't. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. But Puffin is doing this. Puffin. Ugh. All right, today in stupidity, what do we have here? All right, Kami Sanders. I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders was talking about his book promotion and Ticketmaster and in trying to skirt around the fact that he's essentially a capitalist. Some this. Our tour apparently are selling for $95 on Ticketmaster, which is con- accused of anti-competitive behavior. You know that some of your Democrats are criticizing them. Aren't you benefiting yourself no, from this I, system that you're all, trying to dismantle? First of all, those decisions are made totally by the publisher. Oh, okay. That's oh, so he's throwing so. his publisher under the bus. But you yeah. know what? Having done books before, I can tell you that your publisher and your publicity, that's you you direct that and you have to okay everything. Right. He's so lame. I'll be on Jesse Waters' program tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. Have a great night back with you tomorrow.